0: Health Insurer Anthem, which was hit by a massive cyber attack in 2015 that impacted nearly 79 million individuals, has agreed to a proposed $115 million deal to settle a class action lawsuit. So is this proposed agreement breaking any new ground in data breach lawsuits? I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group, Today, I'm speaking with attorney Stephen Tapler of the Abbott Law Group. Stephen has represented plaintiffs in other class action lawsuits involving data breaches. He'll be providing his analysis of the proposed Anthem settlement in this consolidated case that's being handled in a California federal court, which started out with more than 100 lawsuits that were filed against Anthem across the country. So the attorneys representing plaintiffs are calling this proposed $115 million agreement a record settlement. But as we know, the Anthem data breach itself also broke records. With almost 79 million people affected, it's the biggest health data breach ever reported to federal regulators, for example. So based on the number of victims and the amount of the settlement, Does this look to you like it's setting any new class action settlement records for data breaches, and why?
1: Well, let me play lawyer for a moment and say it depends on what your definition of record is. In pure dollars, it is a record-setting settlement figure. $115 million is huge, but there are two metrics against which you have to compare it, and this may be an apples to oranges comparison or an apples-to-apples comparison, depending upon your point of view. So in, you have 80 million people affected with a $115 million settlement. That's about dollar ten each. And if you read per, per person, now, arguably, not everybody will have damages, but if you read the sampling of complaint of allegations in the, I think, it's fourth amended complaint, which is the latest complaint prior to the settlement, People have undergone terrific hardships as a result of the compromise of their, what the complaint calls personal information or personally identifiable information, but what it really is is PII plus personal health information. Now, compare that with the Target settlement, which was an eight-figure settlement, like 10 or $50 million, and you had more people who were affected in Target or an equal number of people affected in Target than you did with, with Anthem. You know, the difference being perhaps that much of it was credit card information, uh, with some debit card, payment card information that actually resulted in, in, into those plaintiffs. But in the end, yes, it was a record settlement, a record settlement number. You know, what it, what will be interesting to see is what kind of claims are going to be made against that fund. And in the end, you have 80 million people who are at equal risk. For the same type of egregious identity theft, or or grievous identity theft, I should say, because of egregious acts that will last for as long as people uh, sell and resell their personal identity and personally personal health information.
0: So, Stephen, the proposed settlement provides for Anthem to establish a settlement fund that would be used for providing victims of the data breach with at least two years of credit monitoring. Two, cover out-of-pocket expenses incurred by consumers as a result of the data breach. And three, provide cash compensation for those consumers who have already enrolled in credit monitoring. And in addition, the settlement calls for Anthem to guarantee a certain level of funding for information security. Are any of those provisions novel in data breach class action settlements, or are these sort of standard? They're sort of standard.
1: If you can prove actual damages, you know, out-of-pocket damages, uh, you have to pay money to get something restored, or you actually had unreimbursed losses, payment card losses that are still unrecompensed. Those are actual losses. And there may be interest on monies that were taken out. And if you can prove, uh, for instance, that there was a, uh, a tax refund fraud, you have to wait for your money. To, there's use of money there. But you know, once again, for it, it, in reading the allegations of the client, there are people who spend hours and hours and hours have clients in our data breaches who spend hours, days straightening out, monitoring, straightening out problems with their credit, untangling the web of fraudulent accounts and credit accounts that have been taken out in their name, you know, sending off collection agencies that come after them. You're not being paid for, for the time spent out of your life. And granted, there may not be an hourly rate for credit card or, or PI fraud remediation, but perhaps the, the one thing that might be a bit a bit novel is the repayment for credit monitoring for already expended funds for victims, which I think is um, is more than appropriate. Two years may not be enough, but two years appears to be the standard right now. So I, you know, I, I don't think it's it's all that much. I think it's the sheer volume of people, and I think the one differentiating factor here is that this is health information. You have more information that in a more constellation of of identifiable identity points in health information than you do anywhere else. You have the possibility of of people making health care claims based on your identity if you have enough information. And that will get put on your permanent medical record and imagine having to fight to get an illness or or a symptom that you don't have for which you were treated and perhaps stayed for uh, all on your medical record and then you, you apply for insurance, the insurance company is going to take a look at your life insurance, will take a look at your medical record and say, hey, you you have rheumatoid arthritis, but guess what? You never had rheumatoid arthritis. These are all potential, very, very, very serious ramifications, which the courts, and, and I do now blame the lawyers at office. they did a stupendous job on this. Um, it was an extensive and expensive undertaking, but we're still not there yet in understanding ramifications and magnitude of the damages that that can keep recurring for these victims.
0: So now, Stephen, as we know, very often data breach cases get dismissed. Why do you think Anthem agreed to settle?
1: You know, there are always issues about damages. There are always issues about causation. It may be that the plaintiffs also sought saw- Settlement rather than not, typically, you know, when you come close, when a lawsuit comes close to certification or post-certification granting, that's usually a milestone for a settlement. Where, you know, either party will say it may really pay economically to think about settling. So, more often than not, if you survive a motion to dismiss, it, if a plaintiff survives a motion to dismiss, that takes it one more step closer to settlement. There was some discovery that went on, I believe, in, in Anthem, and the discovery disclosed enough about the underlying facts of the case, the representation to the victims, and the defective nature or the fault in the security ecosystem at Anthem and its I mean, we're at the point where we know what a bad secure what bad security is. We're pretty sure what good security can be we definitely know what bad security is. And Anthem had ineffective security at, at the very minimum. So I think that at this point in the timeline, it was appropriate probably for both sides to come to the table, sit down and fashion a uh, some sort of resolution.
0: Now, Stephen, you mentioned sort of some of the things that are said to have occurred in this data breach. And back in January, seven state insurance commissioners released a report on their investigation into this massive cyber attack against Anthem. The insurance commissioners concluded that the attack began with a phishing campaign that was launched by an unnamed nation state. Being that the case is being settled, do you think the public will ever learn what really happened in this cyber attack and Anthem's handling of the data breach, and why?
1: That is a $64,000 question. I don't pretend to have the answer to that. I know that um, if you look at the some of the, many of the pleadings had substantial redactions put into it. It may be that in, it might be the better part of discretion do not exactly state what was done, because sometimes by stating what was done, you kind of also indicate what might not have been done. And if their security remediation is an ongoing process, you know, you don't want to show your cards like that necessarily. And it would be good. It would be good if at the very least there was a centralized way for the FBI, for instance, to understand what exactly happened and have that at its fingertips so that other companies can, can benefit from from uh, Anthem's you know, misfortune, but it's, that effort is not as fully fledged as, as it should be. Should it be disclosed? Yeah, it should be disclosed. Why? Because it is necessary for other people to understand how you might suffer, how you might have problems. For instance, I mean, look at what's happened in the last couple of days. Merck's been hit by a derivative of WannaCry, I believe it's called Petya, or one of the instances is called that. Merck, DLA Piper, which is a law firm, got hit with it. You know, this is a very large law firm that I would bet has fairly, fairly good security. And Merck probably has, or should have had, ironclad security. The way to fix problems is to expose problems. And we can't operate in, we can't have security by obscurity never has worked and it never will work.
0: So, bottom line, Stephen, what would you say is the top lesson that other entities that experience a massive data breach should learn from this settlement and Anthem's experience?
1: A very, very competent and well-renowned cyber forensic expert has told me again and again that if you are targeted, you will be hacked. So, You need to take the appropriate steps to realize that when the invasion happens, you should be able to contain the invasion and prevent the exfiltration of data. You know, it's bad enough that somebody gets in the door, you don't want them running out with all the valuables in your house. If you can lock all the doors as soon as he gets in or she gets in, you at the very least can contain and really mitigate the damage because there won't be the, the exfiltration or the march or the stream of personal information, personal health information out of your doorway.
0: Thanks, Stephen. I've been speaking to attorney Stephen Tepler. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.